Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Liberty Libations. Again, Jake is off this week, so I'm filling in. I'm Zach Varnell, and we're joined by Zane as normal. And then we have a whole lot less of our normal crew here. So we have Buddy and Will joining us. So, Buddy, tell us about yourself for anybody who doesn't know yet. Uh, I'm just a silly goose. I'm here in Savannah mm. or just south of it. Uh, I own a lawn care company and I, I'm silly. And I think I, what was it we were saying, Will? Take things seriously in an unserious manner. I think that was it, man. Yeah. That's me. Okay. Other than that, I'm a nobody. Good. All right. Well, I think there'll be plenty of uh, opportunity for silly goosedness tonight. So I'm glad you're here. <laughs> and we'll about yeah, we... <laughs> go ahead, Zane. We can't Will be can too wait. serious. <laughs> we can't be too serious. This is the Christmas episode, after all. Although it appears that most of the cast decided to take the night off. Although the the content must continue. Yeah. Speaking of grumpy gnome says Merry Christmas. I meant to play Aww. that in the intro. Get the Christmas Aww. out right at front. I love Christmas. I love Christmas yeah. time so much. Merry Christmas, Grumpy. Yes. All right, and Will, for anybody who doesn't know, tell us about yourself. I'm, I'm Buddy's young sidekick. I just follow Buddy around. He uh, rouses me out of the swamp where I grow blueberries and turn them into this wonderful blueberry wine. And, you know, just um, LP Georgia adjacent shit poster that hangs out, enjoys there. it. I changed my name. Buddy the Elf. Yeah. We watched that last night. It's a good one. So are you drinking yeah. rabbit eye wine tonight? Always, man. Always. Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Zane? What do you got to drink? I'm back on the extra special bitter that I had last week. Ooh. I have a I can't read that from here. It's rabbit eye. <laughs> oh, it's a bottle of wine. I thought you were pointing at your wall art. Like, no, I'm just I'm drinking tea because I don't drink, but yeah, we've got it at the house for everyone else, so I'm showing my support. Hell yeah, man! All right, so let's talk about the LP Georgia just for a minute. So, you know, if you're in Georgia, feel for, uh, please check that out lpgeorgia.com. You can see some of the stuff we have going on there, different ways to get involved. Um, the big thing right now is the convention coming up. So go to the main page, lpgeorgia.com and click 2024 convention. And you'll see everything we have lined up there. It's at the VFW and Conyers, $85 for a whole weekend of events and speakers and comedy and debate and just all sorts of stuff. Uh, we're going to have Spike Cohen. Oh, we got Steven joining. Put him in oh. while I'm Steve, up a grown up, a grown up. Hey. Ooh. <laughs> Whoa, hold on. I wouldn't go that far. Hey, we'll have Spike Cohen keynote speaking with Shane Hazel, Sarah Higdon, Adam Nutter doing some comedy, uh, John Eiler doing some comedy, Edgar Mills there to talk about firearms and training. We'll have the debate with all the presidential cam uh, candidates in the Libertarian Party. And then afterwards, we'll have Tower Gang there to do the spin room roast of all the uh, you know, candidates that are trying to impress us. They're going to be there to wreck all of that. So that should be fun. Um, 
So, Buddy, as somebody who's been to one of our conventions, what did you think last year? It is so much fun. It is a, a place. It's a box of people that don't fit in boxes. Uh, but it's also, you can be normal. I mean, you can be normal. You don't have to be a freak show to be on there. There's plenty of born people like Steve there. Um, the, <laughs> no, it's good, man. It's, I mean, it's around the holiday. It's just, it's a good time. It's, um, I don't know. I'm just inspired to meet so many different people, young, old. I mean, I forget how old I am. Some people call me old. Some people call me young. I still think I'm a child, but it's great. It's so much fun. Like if I know it's like serious political business, blah, 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 but I just go there. You're going to meet lots of neat people. Like there's, I'm from all kinds, like, just like I said earlier, like we have the last convention, there was a dude that farmed barefoot and there was a, was that Will presidential candidates? And there's a dude that, you know, is jacked and talks about guns and, like it's everything it's it's everything you want in america yeah the boring political stuff is only one of the days and as much as i should probably be encouraging people to go to that day given that i'm the secretary you don't have to go to that day if you don't want to you can just go to the fun (laughs) days but if you want to have fun that day find where me and will are sitting and it's fun it's a lot of back of the room i mean we don't do spitballs but essentially that's what we do yeah (laughs) yeah i feel like it's got something for everybody especially you know what we've been focusing on the last few years of trying to make it you know not so buttoned up not that georgia's culture or lp culture has ever been that way we've always kind of been relaxed and just talked to each other like humans as long as i've been around but I think we're leaning into that more. It's like you can come show up in a suit and have some very serious political discussions and make plans and scheme if that's what you want to do. And that's going on. But at the same time, there's you know people hanging out, having fun, talking about homesteading and homeschooling and just whatever else. So I think it's you know kind of fun for everybody. And somebody can come in and just find their niche, whatever it is. And I'm sure there'll be somebody there to talk about that and make plans with you. What do you think, Will? Is that do you have fun at the last one? I had a blast, man. I've uh I mean it was just a great time. You get to meet all your friends from the internet, get to hang out, partake in all kind of naughty behavior that you know you normally can't. I don't know. I, I don't know how much fun y'all are having, but me and Buddy are uh we're ripping it up in the quarter. We, we <laughs> I got it. I, I basically was, uh, you know, dropping wine everywhere, getting people drunk around me. It was a good time. Yeah. Well, so Bill brings up a good point, and I actually have that on my little thing that I was thinking about while I was moving my big fat body at the gym. Meeting so many people from social media, especially X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it, like because there's such a character limit in that you find that people will tweet out like their real like thoughts on issues and the real core beliefs without any of the fact. Cause you don't have room to ramble, you know, like the beginning of a recipe online that you look up, like there, <laughs> there's none of that. It's just straight to the point with like really important issues. So we kind of feel like, you know, a lot of these people real deeply, like more than their neighbors do. 
Now, I might not know their last name or even know what they look like if they're using an avatar <laughs> like Will. But like you still like but you quickly realize how so much other stuff just doesn't matter when you realize like at the heart of the issue, we're kind of all on the same page. And it just really opens up your mind to meet people that you never thought you would and to hear conversations that you never thought you would because you know like well at the basis we're all here and everything it's i think it's fascinating that's that's my take on it people are usually a lot cooler in person than online sometimes they're really cool online too but you know even the person you might be like fighting with or you don't seem to get along with online you see them in person you have a drink or hang out whatever and it's it's fun, even if you called them something awful, you know, a week or two ago, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. I I don't talk to anyone in real life that I make fun of on Twitter. It's true. Yeah, and Grumpy said he's the group's old man. That's true. And we love it. He, we love it though. Grumpy gnome in real life. Oh yeah. All that right, is well, funny. Like I can't confirm nor deny, but you might be able to meet who Captain Ann Capistan is too. Oh, like you, like I'm saying, like there's avatars that you meet and you go, you're the guy, you're the or girl or whatever you are. You're that person. That's oh, great. My, my lifetime ambition is for someone to say that to me. <laughs> well, Zane, I'm trying not to let the secret out that you're Captain Ann Capistan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're the professional podcaster that I listen to every Thursday no. night. He he um he used to come to the LP Fulton meetings pretty frequently, but he's in the process of moving. So big loss for our county. Mm. I feel like we've gone right up to the edge of doxing Captain. He used to live on Windy Lane. But well, Fulton County <laughs> is a big county. I didn't feel he's a he's a combo number three at Chick-fil-A kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the news. So the first thing we had to talk about this week is Ukraine is doubling down, or at least they want to. So Ukraine's military is seeking up to 500,000 more soldiers, according to The Hill. Uh, And basically that came from Zelensky during a press conference where he said that they were going to add up to a half a million more. And I just keep at it, I guess. What do you guys think about that? Is that going to be the turning point for Ukraine, Stephen? This may be hearsay, but I, I, I heard something this week that he removed the age cap on conscription. Mm-hmm. So it's like throw your kids, throw your elderly out the window. Like we're just stacking the front lines. It's it's um, they're just throwing bodies at this thing and there's no way they're going to win. It's pretty sad at this point. Because you just look at like what the whole you know Western world has done. So we've separated Russia from the SWIFT system, which is you know how mortgages are processed. It's how banks pay each other. Separated them from that. We basically totally separated them from the U.S. dollar, and they're better than they've ever been. <laughs> it's record low unemployment. I mean, like they they are crushing it right now. They're getting yeah, paid about to Russia. Have babies. Yeah, I'm talking about Russia. Uh, Ukraine's getting their ass handed to them pretty badly, you know, despite what our media wants to spin it. You know, I talk to people over the age of 50 and they're all like, oh, yeah, Russia's going down. We're going to we're going to get Putin. I'm like, dude, if we didn't get him in the Cold War, he ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Like that was that was probably the height of nasty warfare 
between us and Russia up until this point, at least. But um, stuff that I'm seeing, like if you read actual news reports, it's not looking good for Ukraine. Like they were a puppet government to begin with. And now it's really a dog and pony show. You know, something to really think about. I was talking a little about this the other day. Like when you hear like ages and numbers and stuff and you go, well, they have to move the age gap because they've run out of people. And what that really means, if you think about it, is it, technically, yeah, Ukraine and Russia, like ethnically, they're all just the crazy whites. Like they're not really different ethnically, but you are taking out like names line, like name lines, like breeding populations. I know that sounds kind of more like farming, but like literally like there's no more dudes to make more Ukrainians. Like you're, you're theoretically sterilizing and ethnically cleansing a country for a lost cause that we all knew was a lost cause to begin with. Could you think like, well, after the war settled and things, but it's like, yeah, then what? You've got really young people and really old people and you got nothing like it's a whole families that have been decimated as far as like their family line and stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's not just that, it's their, their infrastructure is torn up, too, because like at least what we did in the wake of World War Two, like you know, we came up with more efficient farming practices. We invented light beer, which is you know debatably a good a good idea. Uh, got women into the workforce, you know, that kind of thing. But there's there's a whole lot of positive spins to that. And it's because the war wasn't here. We still had infrastructure in place. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have that. There's not going to be any like, oh, well, let's just optimize what we have in place because it's all blown up. Yeah, there's a bit. Speaking of World War II, I mean, there's a very romantic picture in the U.S. about how World War II brought us out of the Great Depression. And there's all these <laughs> nice looking photos of like GIs coming home and going to college and buying a house and getting married and all that stuff. And I mean, first of all, people seem to forget all the people that didn't come back. And when you say that it was a boon for economic growth, the, what you're really implying is that to really stimulate the economy, we just need to take out a bunch of our young men, which is obviously <laughs> stupid. But also people forget that in Europe, after the war, it was terrible. Like the UK for the late 1940s and into the 50s, the standard of living sucked. It was so bad because of the devastation that had been caused and in continental Europe, I mean, it was even worse. So just to your point. I just, I really hope we got some good bio labs out of this. Um, you know, the, 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 the underground ones, you know, the hospitals built on top of them. Like I hope they have some great research in those things and it's really worth our investment to be over there protecting them. Yeah. <laughs> Grumpy says their median soldier's age is already 44. Wow. Jeez. I'm 35 now, and I would die in war instantly. I can't imagine at 44. <laughs> I stubbed my toe on the coffee table the other night, and I almost cried. <laughs> I can't imagine being in a war right now. I got hurt the other day. I didn't fall. I moved my body so I didn't fall, and I got hurt not getting Worse hurt. Worse than falling? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to refrain from making any old person jokes. <laughs> I'm not 40 so yet. I'm not 40 This is what yet. you have to look forward to. You'll know you're old when, like, sneezing hurts your back at some point. <laughs> any thoughts on this, Will? Uh, we can't hear you. 
Oh, oh, testing, testing. Can you, you hear me? We yeah. got you. You can hear me. I just got to yell at the phone here. But yeah, I've sneezed and hurt my back before, so it happens before 40. <laughs> yeah. Any well, thoughts on Ukraine about? or any of that in general? Well, my thoughts is, you know, Grumpy mentioned, um, you know, the median age is 44, but once you put the kids in there, it's going to bring that down. <laughs> that's a positive. Yeah. Solving the problem with math. Just there you go. throw younger people at it. Absolutely. No, it's depressing as hell. And it's something that we all kind of like, every one of us, I'm pretty sure we're all kind of big anti-war libertarians here. We were bitching at this we knew this was going to happen. We saw it coming right from the beginning. Um, this is not my first war being this conscious, you know, conscious of it, seeing it, seeing it from the start to the uh, finish. And it's getting depressing. You know, you see the, I don't know, man. It's just kind of a vicious cycle that we just keep seeing happening that the media starts showing us these crises. All the sheep start screaming, yelling for Uncle Sam to come save the world. And, uh, you know, a bunch of foreigners get killed. We lose a lot of money. A bunch of defense contractors make a lot of money. A few libertarians debate about it online and, you know, wait for the next one. Israel's here now, you know, I guess they're making a lot of money right there. I don't know. What do y'all think the next war we're going to see the war machine sell us on. Uh, well, they got to spread us real thin. It's got to be something in Asia. Uh, I don't know if uh, who's going to flex on Taiwan or, or what's going to happen. Um, but I, I, I would imagine it's going to be something over there. There's going to be something in, in the South China Sea. I'm with you. I'm with Philippines you. or something like that that we just got to go over there, you know. That that's something I got in trouble for on the LP account was when I when I just tweeted out Taiwan is part of China, and uh, <laughs> that seemed like an endorsement of like the Libertarian Party is endorsing the communist Chinese government. But it's it's kind of that sentiment like we as Americans just got to learn to like just fuck off. That's Asian bullshit. That's Muslim bullshit. Let's handle you know America first, right? right. Well, exactly. And, and, you know, if we were really going to rush to the aid of our allies, why did we let Hong Kong get slaughtered? Exactly. I mean, because these guys were in Guy Fawkes masks, marching down the road, carrying giant copies of the U.S. Constitution and banners saying, please help us, shooting bows and arrows at tanks while they were getting just decimated. And our president couldn't even speak on it. Like, it, it didn't even get it lip service from the news. Yeah. There were some of them like Nikki Haley types talking about it, just being like, hey, let's just go in there and save Hong Kong from China. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm sure Nikki Haley. Yeah, let's just nuke the rest of the planet. John McCain was still alive at that point, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah, I'm sure he that'll coop is out there. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, well, I remember when that tweet went out and I had some people that I knew from Young Americans for Liberty in college who maybe aren't quite as libertarian as we are that were like getting 
like asking me why this got tweeted out. And I was like, let's take a step back and think about if you affirm the opposite of this tweet, which is that Taiwan is independent, you know, are you willing to fight for that? Are you willing to die for that? Because that those are the consequences of affirming that Taiwan is independent. Like I we we can sit here and I can definitely say that it would it's definitely preferable for human liberty for Taiwan to not be taken over by the commies, but it would be even worse for human liberty for the US to get sucked into a war with China over it. On their turf. Yeah. For yeah. faster beat boot beat boot parts. You know. And yeah, everybody, we've been, we've been talking about them then. all of the semiconductors. We have to protect Taiwan for the semiconductors, as if Taiwan is the only place on the entire planet where you can possibly have factories that make semiconductors. Uh, well, that's where we get about three quarters of our semiconductors currently. Don't quote me on the exact percentage, but it's it was way more from them than anyone else. I remember what's that. it gonna take though? Like, I'm, I'm not here to be Mr. Lex you know, get the government on it or anything, but why doesn't, I know why, we all know why, but like, we could easily just open up a factory in Detroit that makes these fucking semiconductors. Uh, well, Joe Biden, our fearless leader, uh, earmarked, I think, $5 billion for a, a mega chip factory in Arizona, and it's going to be up and running in 10 years. Okay, so, so I guess I will vote for Joe Biden next Yeah, year. so help is on the way. <laughs> that will solve all the foreign policy fast track it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that is at least if we're all going to put on our government, you know, socialist hats here, at least that's something that would be smart if Taiwan is this only source for these semiconductors that we desperately need. There has to be some way that you know, Western civilization can muster up the, the ability to manufacture these on this side of the earth. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, when you have the government handing out five billion dollar subsidies, apparently, if you're a private company that's not on the receiving end of the subsidy, you're probably going to think twice before you build anything because you're just going to get big footed by the government who's going to open a factory in 10 years because they're a tortoise. But well, if, and, and, you know, if, but, of and then on the other hand, you know, if you did try to open a factory, you got these huge you know, um, taxes on capital investments where, I mean, they have factories in China that hardly even require any people. It's just machines that crank out all the stuff. And maybe it's a couple guys there that fix the robots when they break, but it would be very hard to build something like that in the U S just because of the very punitive tax regime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got the Kia plant here in LaGrange, Georgia that, you know, when it was built, what was it like? Oh, seven, Oh eight. It was $2 billion. You know, at the time it was the, biggest construction project in the state of Georgia. You know, flash forward to modern day, though, you know, just for comparison, $5 billion for a chip factory. Uh, the Burj Khalifa over in Saudi Arabia, it's estimated to cost $5 billion. When and if you could completed. build three entire Fulton County jails for that yeah. amount. I was about to say, that's an option of jail. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, at the root of all this, at the semiconductors, wherever there's no... Uh, it's all just this propaganda we're fed of like the the fantasy that the Chinese government is going to stop trading with us immediately, and all Western manufacturing is just going to fall apart because they want to conquer us. Okay. If they if we could if we quit buying their crap, 
they would implode tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like we just call them up, like, "Hey, China, we're done buying your crap. No more." Uh, Tomorrow, they're the whole country's on fire. Yeah, Uh, and it it hurts us too. It would obviously hurt America. I mean, like we would Americans or whatever, unless we prepared for it. But then there's a collective we there. And I ain't part of none of that shit. I'm just gonna Man, I'm <laughs> I'm really trying hard not to do a really offensive accent with the I thing right now. I'm <laughs> not doing it because I love Zach and I don't want to get him in trouble. What what if like me and you do it but it cancel out? Well it's better. I mean that's I kinda got it when I smile anyway, so I thought I'd just kind of do it. <laughs> All right. Do you guys want to look into the future and see how awful things are going to be if Trump somehow gets back in? Because oh, the yeah. media is here to show to tell yes. us like all the awful things that could go wrong. So let's watch this. Not uh, to refresh. It doesn't like it when I keep the tab open for too long. There we go. Donald Trump term look like? Well, he cannot be the next president. Um, it, it Because if he is... You can't imagine the things that he's going to do. Mexico, Canada. We can't go to Canada because eventually Canada will become annexed to America. And shoot visitors to the White House. Yeah, that means he can shoot the First Lady. We're going to see violence, the likes of which we didn't even see on January 6th. Is that a threat? Make it illegal to run against him, to throw his opponents in jail, to shut down the media. He will make himself into the Fuhrer and he will make everybody raise their hand and salute him. Using martial law against the American people. Terminate the Constitution. Rewrite the Constitution. Create mass internment camps. Throw everyone into Gitmo. Might be sent to jail or their rights might be suppressed especially minority groups in society. You might have any number of things happen to you and your family. Every one of us, our freedom, our liberty, none of us is safe. It's going to have people around him executing against an enemy's list. Assassinate generals. Ordering troops uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. He's going to basically (laughs) burn the house down. He will unravel the institutions of our democracy. Draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler. All right, what do you guys think? Is he going to... We're supposed to not... This isn't a pump-up video? Yeah, (laughs) he's going to shoot generals. I don't understand how they can like he I don't understand why why they can do that. He was president for four years like he's going to institute martial law. He didn't even do that when he was president when the cities were burning down. Like he had every opportunity to like if you were ever to declare martial law. It would be when the Macy's is getting Molotov cocktails thrown through it. Or, or it would be in no, like, or, or hijacking companies from the National Guard on Instagram. You know, yeah, showing you like, hey, the real ones, you don't need keys, guys. This is how you crank them. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a, it's it's a classic up. case of projection because oh my God. You know, over the past four years, who was, who was actually trying to shut down the media? Who is actually imposing martial law? Jailing you know, who is opponent. actually... Like trying to undermine democracy, it's them every single time, and it, you just have to hope that 
it, either nobody is watching this, which uh, there the stats would seem to to say that nobody Come is on, watching Zane. it, or B, uh, <laughs> no, I wasn't talking Mario. about this podcast. I was talking about CNN. Uh, uh, normally, you're just making the podcast, though. No. Or if anybody is watching it, is is it possible for them for them to say anything that's just so ridiculous that it will wake people up to how uh, j- just how far gone the mainstream media is? I I, and I should not say mainstream media. I should say legacy media because they're not even mainstream anymore. Um, Corporate press. Yeah, yeah I, I, don't like that. That. I don't like that word either because right. corporations are good. No, but not the, that level the, of corporate. The press, press, gotta be that libertarian. <laughs> the corporate press isn't bad because they're corporate. They're bad because they're bad. Yeah. I get you, but it's just kind of like it, the corporate dig does really it allows like left-wingers to hate them. Or it makes Correct. us sound cooler when we're like, "Yeah, yes. are you listening to the corporate, the corporate press?" Or? Yes, the left wingers are supposed to hate corporations, but now it's well. Listen, if you can't trust a multinational media conglomerate, then who can you trust? You know, like, <laughs> like that. I mean, that's what that is. Yeah, who are you going to trust? I mean, your lying eyes. You know, sponsored by Lockheed Martin and Pfizer. Trusted names for America. <laughs> I, I I understand why we say it. I just feel like it opens us up to a little bit of criticism of, about you know left left libertarians sneaking in and being like, oh, corporations are bad because they're corporations. But that's my role on this show is to be completely pedantic about everything. So <laughs> we all have our tism. <laughs> and I love pointing out too because. If you could actually act, manage to have a conversation with any of these people talking about Trump is going to be a dictator, he's going to be Hitler, he's going to be Mussolini, and you're going to go, well, how is he going to do that? You know, is, is there legislation going to be passed while he's president? Well, no, he's going to pass all these executive orders. Interesting. So what's happening right now? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's when you well, just hear just, the, the silence. You'll have his well, MAGA mob come do it for him. That's I legitimately think that's what they're implying is that just a bunch of people in red hats will show up and start putting people in internment camps. Instead of the red, instead of the red shirts, it's the red hats. Yeah, <laughs> the red hats are coming. <laughs> that's just like, it's like when you ask how is he going to do that. That's why I never bought the whole insurrection thing because. All right, let's say the worst happened and they went in there and executed Pence or whatever. Would we all just go, well, I guess that's that. Buffalo person is a president now. That's, <laughs> like, that's not how that works. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I mean, some of us would say that, but probably would not be widely accepted. Yeah. That really, like, ruined, like, our ability to really bitch about the presidency. Like we used to be, or at least I used to be the person that was like, Bush and Obama are fascists, and you know, you throw that out there, but when middle-aged women are, are saying Trump's a fascist every day, it just really takes the bite out of the word. It just really, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like I couldn't complain about him legitimately, just because of what kind of company I would be in. Yeah. 
there is certainly a lot of word inflation going on where people apply the most extreme labels possible to the most inane things and then they have to keep making up new words so it, it used to be that everybody was racist but then racist got used so much that it didn't mean anything anymore so they all switched over to saying white supremacist instead which half the time nobody can even say it right so they say white supremacist even though supremacist is not a word and doesn't mean anything, but <laughs> thank you, etymology corner. <laughs> but, what other news you got? Well, I was going to say that this has led up to Trump being removed from the primary ballot now. So, Trump barred from Colorado primary ballot for role in U.S. Capitol attack according to Reuters. So it seems like the Supreme Court of the of Colorado is now forbidding Trump from being on the primary ballot. Which they um, don't have the authority to do this because Homeboy was never convicted of anything. Yeah, and it yeah. seems weird too because the Republican Party runs their own <laughs> primaries. It'd be like if, I mean, it's different because we're less government involved, but like if the government came in and said, hey, you can't nominate Buddy at convention. We'd be like, "Well, screw you!" You know, we <laughs> look. We don't listen nominated. to that. Uh, this is why I did. Be in that sorry, say this again. This is why I, I don't think eventually. that. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't hear you. But um, uh, this is why I think that you know the Democrats and Republicans should not even be able to use government resources at all to conduct their primaries because all it is. If, are elections being conducted by a private organization to figure out who they're going to run and so why is the government even getting involved in this at all it's like it would be like to even further the analogy if me if the five of us were trying to figure out where to go to dinner and we were going to have a vote on it and then we use government resources to conduct a vote it would be completely ridiculous yeah and then we're allowing the government to get their, you know, camel's nose under the tent to where they can be like, well, you're using our resources. We should have some say. So we're going to Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> like Applebee's yeah. Let's go get some riblets, y'all. Yeah. Like, legitimately, they're not going to keep them off that ballot. Like, that, if it'll go up to a higher court or something or already be nullified by just the indecision of it There's, i feel like that story just reeks of outrage like look at what these fucking democrats are doing i didn't say fuck it right yeah liberty look at what these democrats are doing to your boy trump and you know then we get outraged yeah. and the cycle continues well here's here was my first take on it from when the news came out to what the other Twitter, my other ex balls were doing and stuff. You, Steve, you said just right. Now, remember, I view things as I don't know how no one else is getting this. I understand this and I'm a dumb person. But like he has not right. He hasn't even been charged with an insurrection, I don't think. And he certainly nope. hasn't been convicted. Any, No one's been convicted of it. Now, when you have... What's her name from Reason? Liz Wolf. She That's was her name from she Reason. She was her first podcast with Dave Smith. She mm -hmm. said, 
Well, you've got some libertarians, which is basically what she is, that the government is basically good. It's just because of bureaucracy, their intentions are good, but the nature of the beast, it just ends up being like wasteful and stuff like that. And then she said, and then you have some of these other wackadoo libertarians that think the government is full of evil people and blah, blah, blah. And they were just like, yeah. So when you see this, like a whole branch of somebody's government in the open doing this, this isn't like, oh, they made a little whoopsie daisy and it's a clerical error. And the Winnie's like, no, these were, they are bad people. That's exactly what this looks like. I know you think they are going to like have horns and wear cloaks and, and a and, you know, shadowy cigar room or whatever, but they're doing it right in the open. Like there's, there's no other reason other than they are bad. There, there is no, like, I don't know how she doesn't get this when, you know, they made working illegal and then gave you $600 to live on for a year. Like, that's not a, well, they mean, well, it's just bureaucracy. Like, <laughs> no, like you idiot. How I'm dumb and I get it. Yeah. So let's that, start that podcast like wars. <laughs> <laughs> that interaction was the perfect, like red pill, blue pill libertarian. Yeah. Thing. So just like, what you think these people are actually evil and then, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at I mean, very least, a... you can do evil even without being right away evil yourself. Like, that's one thing Jordan Peterson talked about before he was too cracked out on medication is that, like, you know, Auschwitz guards or whatever were just normal people that were probably conscripted and sent there. They weren't evil, like, the day you conscripted them, but they definitely did evil things, and it's within almost everybody to do it, unless you really, like, search yourself and know, I will never do this in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's really interesting to see all the precedents get set that, I mean, like, yes, Trump is a douche, like, He's very surprised. Yeah, it's it's really easy to not like the guy. I get that. Was he a good president? Absolutely not. Um, was he probably the best option that we had aside from the libertarian candidate? Yeah. Uh, you know, because he did some things that were kind of out of the norm. And that's what's upset everybody so much is that, you know, he got in there and he tried to actually act like the boss, which hadn't really happened in the last 50 years. Uh, you know, everybody gets in there and, you know, they take orders from their advisors or their, or their military staff. And hell, I mean, J6, General Mark Milley betrayed the president. So if we're going to talk about treason and whatnot, how about this dude that actually came out in a J6 testimony and said he called his Chinese counterparts two days prior and informed them that there was going to be a ruckus downtown. And he just wanted to let them know that there was going to be rumors we were going to attack China, but that's not happening. And as long as they're on the same page, they can make sure the peace is maintained. And it's like, um, Logan Act, bro. Like, you can't just call the Chinese general and like, hey, there's going to be some rumors going around, but we're not really going to attack you. You know, like, we're cool, right? Wasn't there a report, too, they were lying to him about, like, troop levels in Syria and where they're at? Yeah. And, that whole yeah. Thing. Well, and, and there was times, too, that Trump was trying to get a hold of the Capitol Police. And it would, I mean, the Pentagon had actually stepped in and started directing them. Uh, so the only thing Trump really had control over of J6 was Secret Service. And even half of them were working against him. 
So I don't know the connection with China there, but that used to be like basic diplomacy to tell your adversaries, hey, we're we're doing this test. It's not real. We're not attacking you. We heard this rumor, whatever. Like that stuff went on all the time during the Cold War. It's like they would pick up a phone and tell the Soviet Union, it's like, we're going to be launching such and such. Don't nuke us. Like that seems pretty basic. Yeah. Uh, it, it is pretty basic, but then there was, it was the way he was talking about it too, though, because it was, because there was things, there was actions he was taking that he should have needed presidential approval for. And he was telling Congress that he didn't feel like the president was in his right mind. Uh, so we, he went ahead and did what was right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, well, that, kudos. Yeah. Good job. It's like, well, that's a rogue general dude. Like, the guy, you know, just at a whim, if he, you know, if he thinks you're uh, not thinking right that day, he's just going to take control of your army. You're going to let that happen. Yeah. Which I, is kind I, of the complaint about January 6th. It's like, you know, Trump had this idea that the election was stolen. So he's going to do what he thinks is legal. And that's yeah. the end of the world. But I guess if it's done, you know, to escalate tensions, overseas that's completely fine and that's in line with the neoliberal you know kind of you know the way they operate so that's good but don't you know question anything domestically yeah, or I mean, you, do you what get, you think you is right there insurrection right like you get notions of like oh okay there's going to be an uprising there's going to be a revolution don't mobilize your army don't put defenses in place don't establish some kind of security protocol call china first what so that's that's one of those things that's why he's never going to be prosecuted for the stuff because now we have all the videos of dhs opening the doors and oftentimes ushering people in themselves uh so they think they're getting a free guided tour at our capital yeah. And hello, Mr. G. We're going to have a guided tour of the Capitol in a couple of days, just right. so you know. Stuff's going to get a little dicey for a while. Trump <laughs> might call you and cuss you out, but he's not, he doesn't have any authority anymore. You know. Oh, oh, I have a transition. Speaking of Mr. G, <laughs> because of what was going on, the uh, guy, the Martyr Made podcast, that the dude, you know what I'm talking about? He has a. Uh, he has all those podcasts on Israel Palestine. His Twitter handle is Martyr Made. I think he's Jocko Willink's friend or something like that. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, he's great. Like it's it's I mean, he ha- it's they're spaced out in between and they're like long podcasts, but they're so good. He he just made a tweet about calling like California's legalization of drugs like um Oh, I saw this tweet. This was not a good libertarianism. Like, like, and so Dave Smith was like, "Yeah, because when you think libertarianism, you think of Gavin Newsom's California." (laughs) Like, he just wasn't like taken into the account. Like, well, yeah, they decriminalize drugs, but also like they don't help anyone's property rights unless Z Ping is coming into town. Then they'll clean up and stuff. Oh yeah, but let's so like. he was getting a lot of it. I mean, hell, even uh, Kaufman was just like, libertarians would privatize the sidewalks and bulldoze all that crap. (laughs) (laughs) 
but it is very odd. Like, it was like, that's what you're taking for you think that's why California is like that because of legal drugs. Like, that's that's why you think that's like that. Like, that's yeah, yeah. people people point to an example of where government prohibitions have completely failed and use that as an example of why we need government prohibition. Because even in cases like California where they have done legalization, um, it's not like the state just dissolves itself. There is still plenty of state power that will constrain anybody that attempts to improve their own property or improve their neighborhood or do anything. It's just that the state is not prosecuting all of the homeless people that are injecting themselves on the street. But then they'll throw you in jail if you try to remove those people off of your property or off of, you know, taxpayer funded property. So that what I, I, I know that you are very familiar with this, but in case any of our listeners aren't that that's the correct response. It's not that there's anarchy. It's that there's government that's preventing proper enforcement of, of law and order. I know I'm not supposed to laugh and like it, but I am a business owner. So a few months ago, did you guys see that clip of that like store owner? Just like he had his hands in his pocket in San Francisco, I think. And was just like leaning on a light pole, just hosing down a homeless lady. (laughs) Spraying cold water on right away. And people were outraged. This guy, I was like, yeah, no humans illegal, blah, 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 blah. But this dude is like, people don't realize like that's, that is homeless people are not the single mother that worked at a car factory. The car factory went belly up. Oh, now she's homeless. That story does not exist. Not like that. They're they're homeless because they're trying to shoot Drano into their arms. So I think this guy was just kind of fed up with having human excrement right in front of his business and a whole tent city set up there. God, when he it was like it was his favorite part of the day. Like just like (laughs) there's a big difference between being homeless and living on the street. Like a lot of people live in their car or live in rvs or whatever and they're technically homeless but they're not street people yeah yeah that's a big distinction there's people <laughs> hard on you know going through hard times slim living and then there's people that just give up it's just shit in the street but I, if you're shitting in the street and sleeping <laughs> like i know we're supposed to like most of us are supposed to be like well that guy doesn't have the claim to his land and she's homesick, all that blah, 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 blah. But when you go so extreme and you don't take care of the people that are actually funding you, like this is where it ends up. Like even all these corporate press people like freaking out about they're going to do this to us. They're going to do that. Like you want to ask yourself why people have been pushed to that brink. I mean, they won't, they'll just say because it's white supremacy, but like, I know you're, it's a right a rightoid thing to say like that anarcho tyranny stuff, but like this is where it leads. Like people are gonna get fed up, and the people that get fed up are dudes with guns that look like Steven. Like they, they will cause problems. Like, right. That's right. It's very important to keep my blood pressure low. Yeah. Like, I mean, not only are those the dudes that will change your tire on the side of the road, those are also dudes that will get stuff done if they're pissed off enough. 
So I, you know, clean up after. Can we get kicked off YouTube for that? No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do another quick one, and then we'll move on to trivia. But let's see. Is your son going to join us for trivia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is it too late? Okay, no, cool. no, no, he is. We'll He's be... watching Thursday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll be quick on this one because we know so little anyway about this already. But Judge orders release of over 150 names of people mentioned in Jeffrey Epstein lawsuit documents. This is from the AP. So my understanding of this is just a federal judge said, hey, you know, that these need to be released. The identities of about 150 people who were named in this lawsuit, which I think is a small fraction of however many customers or accomplices or whatever the, it is he actually log, had. But. The flight log that circulated 4chan had like 600 entries or something crazy. Um, so what do you guys think? Is this going to be nothing? It'll never happen. That may be how I lean. Or is there going to be like some just unknown names on there of like people you've never heard of? They might or are we going to see like... They might throw us okay. a breadcrumb so we get complacent. You know, it's gonna, we'll get a couple of high-profile targets, and then you know, meanwhile, your your Stephen Hawking's and your Bill Gates get to walk off. You know, uh, Stephen Hawking's not walking no, anywhere. I don't think Stephen Hawking can. <laughs> That's he can what blow you think. off. You should see him on the island. <laughs> I mean, this is what that always happens with this stuff. Oh yes, which oh, is yes. <laughs> going, going, right there, right there. <laughs> but th- this is what always happens with this stuff, which is that they can't keep it secret forever, but they can always keep it secret for just long enough that most people don't care anymore. That's right. Well, I mean, but one thing that's still kind of fresh on our minds is the Clinton family. You know, so that's one of those things that. I think we should, we're at least owed that in our lifetime is like, let's see Bill Clinton called to the carpet for that at the very least, uh, you know, of all, of all the things you've done, like, let's at least, let's at least say that we really do care about the kids. Um, it's, it's just wild. Uh, Cause that was, what yeah. was it, uh, one of Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign aides, Laura Silsby, you know, she got arrested in Haiti multiple times with bus loads of children None of them were hers. Couldn't say where she got them or where they were going. And um, kept on working with children afterwards. Kept on working with children afterwards. She runs our Amber Alert system, y'all. Yeah. Got kicked Ooh. out of a foreign country for child trafficking. Now she runs our Amber Alert. Good job. I bet you she drives an Altima. <laughs> right. I bet you it's she always drives a white van. On Amber Alert. It's always a Nissan <laughs> Altima. Always. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't... I, obviously they're not going to give us the full list, you know, like the, the high powered government people. I, I mean, Prince Andrew inescapable, right? He already, he already pled to Virginia Guffrey and I think a couple of others. So he, you know, he got stripped of his, of his Royal tenure. Um, you know, he still gets to live in the palace and be rich and all that kind of stuff, but he's yeah. not officially a prince anymore because of this. Oh no. Um, he's also like 180 years old. So he got away with it that long. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we, we have that, but, you know, that one managed to squeak out. Um, now, some of the others that we suspect, uh, you know, is it really going to, like, are we really going to see any active CIA operatives or Mossad agents? I mean, because Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, her father is Mossad, right? Oh, yeah. That's pretty well known. And also, uh, 
they're like her family like he's like the owner of the publishing company that's like a third of the textbooks and stuff in America. Hutton Mifflin? Uh no. But if you say it, I still won't know because I'm not that smart. Okay. You've never yeah, actually no, read a text. Like, and also, and then like her someone else in her family was like the people that made the Pegasus software or something like that. Like these aren't just random people. Right. Yeah. Like these, these are all a, like they a, all carefully curated list of people. Uh, now, you know, some of it, it was just people he could jeopardize to buy into his hedge fund that he was supposedly running. Uh, but others, it's this is a, a concerted effort. This is a, a multinational cooperative to blackmail high power individuals. So not to like rule out the one non-libertarian independent candidate that might do some crazy stuff. What do you all think Robert Kennedy's connections to? The whole Epstein bullshit is. I think he I think, was he not on the flight he, logs? He like admitted to like him and his wife being on one of the planes. But the main reason I say it is just the dude's like going so against the grain on things in like political culture mm-hmm. as a candidate. But when Israel comes up, he just, I mean, he just kind of goes heavy into it where it's unnecessary. Yeah. I think, I think like he's right up there with Nikki Haley. Yeah, yeah, for sure, which is crazy. I mean, he's one of the only big names up there that are talking halfway sense about Ukraine. I mean, like, he's legit. Like, just we need to get the fuck out of it. We're going to start some kind of third world war. But when Israel comes up, which is, I almost think we'd be much more likely to start some sort of World War Three scenario. He is just lock, stock, and barrel going right in step with every... Uh, well, and that's not something that's not something that's just the Democrats like, you know, right now, currently in Congress, there's more Democrat dual citizens with Israel than there are Republicans. But, you know, I think it was just like 10, 15 years ago, there were more Republican dual citizens with Israel, which I mean, that's one of those kind of nebulous things, because sometimes citizenship is awarded just as a complimentary gesture, you know, just like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, like, you know, how many complimentary college degrees are thrown at him. And you're mm-hmm. often aware of this stuff until it's given to you. And you're like, okay, whatever. But some of these folks are actually like going through the process of filing paperwork, getting dual citizenship while they're in our U.S. Congress, which yeah. is strictly forbidden. Like you're supposed to be a U.S. citizen. Well, um, Israeli repels on their pen. <laughs> I mean, like on their jackets and stuff. Like just, it's, yeah. It's I mean, like, that's, that's, that's right that's there you show your support and everything. Like I, I get that, but. It, there's an interesting thing to point out too. You know, in the wake of 9/11, so you got you got the Gremlin, General Michael Hayden, under uh, what was it called, Operation Stellar Wind, which that was the intelligence gathering um, endeavors after 9/11. So the whole part, you know, the Ed Snowden blew the blew the lid off of. Um, you got the other guy. Oh crap, I can't think of his name right now. But he was um, he was the technical director for the NSA. He's in a wheelchair now because they tried to poison him for stuff that he dropped. Uh, but he's the one that blew the lid off of Operation Stellar Wind and said that our government, the reason we created DHS was so they could collaborate with the Mossad and other intelligence agencies in the G7 to establish our domestic surveillance grid. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, OK, I support the nation of Israel. I support the concept of Israel, the people of Israel, their government and their military. 
uh, can't say I agree with it. I mean, just like our own. I, I don't agree with my own government and military a lot of the time. Harder, I'll even go harder. Can I get, can we get edgy here? Like, on Israel, not that I'm going to go super crazy. Like, I'm definitely a boring left-wing libertarian, but the concept of Israel is setting up like a, a theocracy. Like, like they are setting up a government with a respected religion. Like they are pushing that kind of like, like a government for God's chosen people specifically. And it's like, honestly, that like gets down to the why it's not going to work. Like why then it will always be conflict in that country as far as like when there's native people that are un, un non-Jewish natives in that country. It's we why is that the third realm to talk about so much like well we can all get bent out of shape about our the, oh no there's children in here and i'm going to talk about the jews and devil statues yeah yeah you know theocracies are bad saudi arabia you know you bring that up like, oh yeah saudi arabia you know women can't drive or go to college and can't listen to rock music and all that you know you've got all these grievances but yeah, as soon as you say something about you know an Israeli theocracy, it gets all touchy. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's like individual liberties need to be respected, no matter who's in charge. You know, you yeah. can you can have your your culture, your way of life, whatever. But as you know, if you're not respecting the individuals that live within your nation, what are you really doing? It looks like Zane has something to say. Maybe. Oh, it does. And then <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I can always come up with something to say. Um, which you have the last word, then let's go to trivia. Zane, you're 23. So, don't don't ruin your career on giving us your opinion on Israel, right? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to say anything controversial because it's my understanding that, like, within the state of Israel itself, like within Israel proper, not counting Palestine religious freedom actually is pretty well respected like there are mosques and christian churches everywhere and like enforcing the jewish religion on people is not really something that they do it's just what they do do is treat the palestinians terribly they said do do <laughs> but that my my other point on this is when we think about why is america so supportive of the israeli government I mean, and, and I say this as a Christian myself, I think that Baptist and non-denominational pastors have, have to take some of the blame for this, for promoting a theology of dispensationalism, which I know that's a big word, but it, it, what it essentially means is that certain um, biblical events related to Christ's second coming, in order for that to happen, certain things have to happen with the state of Israel. And so... A lot of Christians believe that in order to facilitate the second coming, like Jews all need to return to Israel and they all need to be well established and a bunch of weird, a bunch of weird stuff like that, which all these ideas were completely unknown to anyone in the church before like the 1800s. And then people started coming up with this stuff. And it's, I, I would say that it's not biblical. Um, I don't want to start a debate with any Baptists who are listening, but maybe I do want to start it actually. <laughs> well, no, look, I, I agree with you. Um, as a Reformed Baptist myself, I, yeah, there, there was a whole lot of, uh, well, it's going to fulfill prophecies, so let's get it over with. 
I'm ready to go home. And I'm like, whoa, dude, like, <laughs> you know what you're really asking for? Because, like, that's that's a whole lot of murder you're asking for. That's also a bad thing. <laughs> I like how if you were to look at this group and go, hey, who's probably a Baptist? <laughs> Steven, you're, like, you're, you're number one. <laughs> Let's do some trivia. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. And remember not to use big words around Buddy or his kid will have to explain them to him. So <laughs> keep that in mind, Zane. All right, trivia time. All right. Libation trivia. And today's topics are Christmas traditions, outlaws, and constellations. So the rules are round one. I'm sorry to interrupt, but there's some pretty bad feedback. All right, I'm going to mute everybody for a minute, and then you can unmute yourself. All right, sounds good now. I don't hear anything. So feel free to unmute yourself. It usually recovers. But round one, 10 questions, one point. Round two, five questions, two points. Round three, three questions, three points. So that's where people can make their big comeback usually. And then here's how you answer. If I'll read the question, when you want to buzz in, you put your hand up to the camera, basically. If I see your hand move, I'll call on whoever I see first. Don't blurt out an answer. If you do, you'll lose a point. Um other rules that Jake made up and no one cares about. And then basically if you win, you just get bragging rights. You get to rub it in Zane's face because usually he wins. So, but here we go. So round one, Christmas traditions. Question number one, in which country do people traditionally eat KFC as a Christmas meal? I think I saw Zane first. Japan. Japan. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, have you never heard the story? What happened was that a bunch of like Americans living in Japan in like the 1960s or 70s or whatever uh because you know Christmas wasn't a big thing in Japan, there was no place to get traditional Christmas food, so they would go to KFC because it was the closest thing to American Christmas food that they could have. And then it just kind of exploded into this big tradition where now if you want to eat at a KFC in Japan on Christmas, you have to make reservations months in advance. Oh, wow. That's awesome. All right. Question two. In the Christmas traditions of Slovakia and the Czech Republic, what is traditionally kept in the bathtub before being prepared as part of the Christmas Eve meal, buddy? He's muted. You're muted, by the way. Yeah. Got it. Uh, sausages. It's not sausages. Oh. Well, you guys can count for two. Does uh, number one have a guess? No. Okay. Who? I just saw a hand, but I didn't know who. Yeah. Okay. Steven? Pickled herring. No pickled herring. Will or Zane? Cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce. No. All right. The hint I'll give is that it's in the bathtub because it needs water. Buddy. Brisket. <laughs> <laughs> low and slow in the bathtub. That's right. 
It's not brisket. That sounds delicious. I don't know about the bathtub method, but anyone else will? I didn't hear you at all. No, you're not muted, but you're very hard to hear for some reason. Well, back up. It's easier to hear. It's easier to hear when you're farther away. Hold on. Let me turn you up. I heard the magic word. That's all that matters. It it is a carp, which I'll I'll accept fish too. But they oh. get a live carp, and for a day or two before Christmas Eve, it swims around and lives in their bathtub, and then they cook it and eat it. Carpe so, diem. Yeah. All right. Question three. In which? Oh, no, wrong question. All right. Which sweet treat topped with strawberries and cream is a staple of Japanese Christian uh, Christmas celebrations? Buddy. Strawberry shortcake. Yes. Christmas cake. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to pull anybody in this thing who would know that sweet treat, it'd probably be me. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. In Japan, it's Christmas cake. It's a tradition or uh, Christmas cakey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to question four. In German folklore, what is the name of the horned figure who per too many hands? I'm reading on one screen, but I saw Zane first. So we'll go to him. In German folklore, what is the name of the horned figure who punishes misbehaving children during the Christmas season? Serving as a counterpart to St. Nicholas. That would be Zane. Krampus. Krampus. He'll whip you with uh, switches. He'll leave you bundles of sticks instead of coal. He might kidnap children if you're real bad. And then I forgot the last one, but not as bad as being kidnapped, I don't think. Whatever the He'll last one He'll kidnap you and take you to Epstein Island. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he'll probably get away with it. Has All anyone right, checked question? if Krampus is on the Epstein flight logs? <laughs> well, or if Epstein was on the Krampus slave flight logs. You never know. Hmm. All right. Question five. In Ukraine, what unique decoration is often added to Christmas trees inspired by an old folktale? Will? Swastikas. Swastikas. <laughs> Probably, but that is not from the folktale. Oh, I forgot to play the music. There we go. <laughs> Anybody else? I, I, the music's still not on, but I did. Um... Yeah, I can't oh, it's, very, it's very low. And that's how low we normally have it. I don't know what's going on. The oh, show's falling apart, but. <laughs> Never mind. Um, anyway, I was going to say, uh, uh, empty cartridges. No, no shell casings, Stephen. A hammer and sickle. Oh, here, there's oh, the music. music. Cool. And it's gone again. Whatever. Not a hammer and sickle. Will. Mushrooms. Mushrooms. That's closer. So the hint is it's a bug. Steven. Beetle. 
Beetle, no. Uh, number one. Uh, cockroaches. Hmm, that's a good one, but no. Keep it in line with the swastika theme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna reveal it. The answer is spider webs or spider ornaments. Number six. In Norway, what household item is hidden on Christmas Eve to protect that item from being taken by witches? Steven. Wedding ring? Not wedding ring. Will. The Bible? Not the Bible. Buddy. Uh, broomstick? It is brooms. Wow. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. All right. Question number seven. In Italy, on Christmas Eve, what is the traditional practice of abstaining from meat, often involving a feast of fish dishes? Will. Uh, and I think I saw Steven, but then maybe you retracted. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, buddy. Piece of San Gennaro. Ooh. See, that's so close that I'm questioning myself, but it's... That's not what I'm looking for. Anyone else? Zane? Well, if you said that was close, is it like the Feast of Steven? No. no uh, so everyone's answered, so I'll give a hint. It's just very descriptive, Stephen. Pescatarianism? You're on the right track. Will? It's the Feast of Seven Fishes. Yep. Oh. There's a movie I saw with the, movie, the kid that's going to be Jimmy Olsen, the Superman movie. That was also in the crazy uh, episode of season two of Chef. When you see his crazy family, that's yeah, what they're the in the kitchen. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bear. Yeah. That they're in the kitchen, like cooking all. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. When I saw that, I thought it was just a family tradition, and then I read it about all Italians later. So maybe not all, but all right. Question eight: In Ethiopia, on what date is Christmas known as Ghana? Traditionally celebrated according to the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Zane. I know Eastern Orthodox is January 6th, so I'll say that. It is not the holy holiday of January 6th. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Will. October 7th. <laughs> <laughs> it is not October 7th either. Does anyone want to guess 9-11 real quick? Just round it out. All right. Steven or Buddy? Buddy's explaining to his boy my humor. All right. Steven. Easter? Easter? No. Christmas and Easter are not the same for them. Oh, yeah. As far as I'm aware. At right, buddy. I'll just guess and be like New Year. 
It's not New Year. So my hint is, I think Zane probably knows, and he was just very close. <laughs> Zane. January 5th. Nope. October 8th. <laughs> also nope. Steven. January 9th. Also nope. Last one. Last question or answer. If you got one, buddy. Nope. All right. January 7th. <laughs> Man. <laughs> All right, question number nine. Oops, don't read that, Zane. All right. In European Christmas tradition, what is the name of the wooden log burned for warmth and festivity, which also inspired a namesake chocolate cake shaped and decorated to resemble a log? And I think I saw Will first. The log? Yep, it is the Yule log. So when I took French in high school, we actually had a, a competition where everybody made one of these cakes. I ate a lot of cake that day. Sounds like a good day. I love a cool day story, where I eat cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to carry the sh I've got to carry this part of the show here. <laughs> he knows what trivia people want to hear, and it's about that one time he ate cake. It, it honestly is. <laughs> If you ever watch right. a trivia show, after every question, they'll talk about like anecdotes about the question. <laughs> Are they more interesting than yours? Sometimes. <laughs> Not typically, probably. Anyway, question 10. Which medieval European tradition involved a mock king known as Lord of Misrule who presided over Christmas festivities? Zane. Um, is it's um, epiphany. No, you answered that so confidently. I'm unsure of myself, but that's not what I'm looking for. If it's the other thing I could have said, I doubt that anybody else will get it. So I'll just wait for the second round of answering. All right. <laughs> Anyone else? All right, I'll give a hint this early, is that it's sort of kind of mentioned in a Disney song. Any guesses or back to Zane? Um, All right, Zane. The Twelfth Night? No, still not what I have. Also still making me question myself whether that's more correct. Who knows? <laughs> All right. I'll just reveal this one. Unless anyone has last minute guesses. All right. It's the Feast of Fools. And also I feel like... Well, January Lord for of Misrule. Yeah. Lord of Misrule is a great title for Buddy. Like, I think we need to make that official. So... <laughs> I think we could do All that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> All right. Uh, round two. These are worth two points each, and they were about famous bank robbers. So question one, who is the notorious American bank robber known for his charm and polite manners during heist during the earliest 20th century? Zane. Uh, John Dillinger. John Dillinger. 
All right. Question. See, when two. I don't add, provide any context or elaboration, it's just boring. It doesn't feel right. <laughs> You gotta tell us about that anecdote of when you robbed the bank <laughs> at one time. All I'm right. not going to. They forgot to chain the pen to the desk, so he just walked right out with it. <laughs> it still counts. All right, question two. Which infamous couple known for bank robberies embarked on a crime spree during the Great Depression? Will. Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. All right. There's an excellent movie on Netflix called Highwaymen with uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson about that. It's good. Okay. I'll Thank you. See how that's done, Zane? You see how that's done? <laughs> You're learning. <laughs> All right. Question three. What was the nickname of Lester Joseph Gillis, an American bank robber in the 1930s known for his violent crimes? Steven. Bugs Moran? Nope. Oh, okay. Zane. Jackie Chan. <laughs> Not Jackie Chan, buddy. Babyface Nelson. Babyface oh, Nelson. Yep. And the hint on that one was going to be it was because he was short and looked young. So I think that would have given it away, but Babyface Nelson. Let me add your score real quick. All right. Question number four. What was the name of the outlaw gang involved in the notorious shootout at the OK Corral in Tombstone, Arizona? Will. I was confident. <laughs> the Wild Bunch. I'm going to say the Wild Bunch. I said the Wild Bunch, but I've already conceded that. Right. <laughs> No. I <laughs> uh, see Zane's hand. So when I put my hand up, I realized I only remembered the name of the officers that were involved in the shooting, not the people. Uh, so I'll say... Um, um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have it. How dare you. Anyone else? The outlaw gang that was involved in the OK Corral shootout. Let's see. Is it Josie Wells? I've been what? What? Outlaw Josie Wells. No, the gang was not called Outlaw Josie Wells. <laughs> Steven? The younger gang? No, not the younger gang. Or, I mean, that's another one where I'm unsure of myself, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> All right, the hint. It's a very common Western word. It's It'll be one of those where you're like, dang, why didn't I think of that? That was right there. Don't say that, Will. Don't say it, Will. Don't say it. <laughs> Steven. The Howdy Boys? Not the Howdy Boys. <laughs> Will. Sorry, still having trouble hearing you. I barely heard that, but whatever it was was incorrect. <laughs> James Gang. Not the James Gang. Gang Gang. Not Gang Gang. <laughs> All right. 
Unless you got last guesses, I'll just reveal. Truly humble under God. <laughs> young thug. Right. Or, yeah. It was just the Cowboys. Wow. Very unoriginal, uninspired name. Wow. Yeah. All right. Last question of this round. Number five. What was Annie Oakley's real name before she became one of the most famous sharpshooters? Steven? Little Annie? <laughs> not Little Annie. It is not Anne-based at all. I'll go ahead and get that hint out. Will? Sorry. I can't hear you at all now. I heard Calamity Jane, but it was really muffled. Oh, Grumpy got Cowboys, technically. Man, I've been bad about the chat, so sorry, but <laughs> points to Grumpy. All right, this one seems like it might be too hard. Because some of these I go through and I'm like, well, at least Zane will get it. But if he's stumped, then I don't know. I have literally no idea. Also, All I right. thought this category was about bank robbers. You know, that's a good point. No, I put out. <laughs> You know what? I did put bank robbers, didn't I? I think I meant to put outlaws. And then I put bank robbers in the Annie middle. Oakley, famously anyway. also not an outlaw either. You know what? That's fine. <laughs> I had a ton of bank robber questions, and I'm like, if I have never even heard of these people, then I don't know that it's a good question. And I at least heard of Annie Oakley, so I snuck her in. But all right, we'll just reveal this one. Her name was Phoebe Ann Mossy. And I said it wasn't Ann based, so I guess I misled people there. Right. So, I would have gotten it had you not said that. <laughs> yeah, Phoebe Mossy was just like right on the tip of your tongue. <laughs> All right, last round. These are worth three each, so it really makes it anybody's game. It's about constellations. What's the score going to the final round? I've got zero. Yeah. Zane four, Buddy four, Will five, Steven zero, and Grumpy uh, bonus two, I guess, because I forgot about him. So question one. Which constellation is known as the Hunter and is one of the most easily recognizable in the night sky? Zane. Orion. Yes, it is oh, Orion. Oh, oh, Orion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that puts Zane in the lead. Uh, but question two. Come on, question two. There we go. What is the name of the constellation that contains the star Polaris, also known as the North Star? Zane. Oh, uh, the Big Dipper. Nope. Oh, Steven. Ursa Minor. That is it. Ursa Minor. I the can't handle, believe the I did handle that. of the Big Dipper points to it. If, that, if was we had a, a, that was such a rookie mistake. If we had to poll everybody here who's familiar with minors, who would we choose, Stephen? <laughs> you have a miner standing next to you right now. Are we talking about Chilean right. miners? Both. <laughs> Buddy puts his son to work. So. <laughs> right. All right. Last question. 
So let me see if it is anybody's game. Will could win. Buddy could tie. So we'll see. Question three. Which constellation is represented by a pair of twins in mythology? Oh, Saul Zane first. Gemini. <laughs> yeah, Gemini. Which makes Zane the winner tonight. Let Yay. me play. <laughs> Let me play the thingy. Don't celebrate yet. Here goes Zane. All right. Thanks Shout for Zane playing in like body. Wish Matt Drudge. What? Um, Matt Drudge, Drudge Report. He's you know a hat guy. He likes to look like an old gumshoe reporter. Oh. So uh, he was insulting you, calling you wish version. <laughs> How dare you? I beat the audience. That was a, yeah. That was a hard one because like you know, Buddy said his son was joining, and I just kind of visually gauged his age, and I'm like, okay, I guess I need something that middle school to fifth grade kids can answer but also will be challenging for zane so i don't know if i hit that but so uh, jeff foxworthy I, would be, go ahead no you go ahead i think i was gonna go say jeff foxworthy would be proud no it was good it was good yeah. i'm we're real close on level anyway so you know yeah <laughs> so I had um, a Wii game version of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And the questions were so hard, no fifth graders are learning that stuff. By the way, did you hear about, I, I don't know if it was Baltimore or maybe Detroit, but whatever the, the school, the MLK junior name school has lower test scores than the alternative school for like learning disabled kids. Okay. Do they have the same tests. I'm guessing it's standardized. <laughs> yes, you're still very muscled. Yeah, you may want to leave and come back and see if that helps. I'll do that. All right. Catch you in a second. All right, let's move on to the next news story, which is this is my makeup for Zane for having to talk about aliens and Dogman and all this stuff recently. So now <laughs> we're just going to talk about the good old economics. So CBS poll finds Americans, you know, whatever this, the headline's stupid actually. So I'm not even going to read it. But the thing down here hidden in this article is. Let me find it. Let me find it. Here it is. It's like you're looking for a recipe. Yep. I got to read about their oh, grandmother's no. history first. <laughs> I was so, so encouraged says, by this article until uh, I saw this. This is terrible. Yep. So let's read it real quick for anyone just listening. So <laughs> this is a uh, YouGov poll that's put out by CBS News. It says... Government setting price controls to control inflation. Approve. 80% of Democrats surveyed. 62% of independents surveyed. And 56% of Republicans surveyed support price controls. So, Zane, do you just want to run wild with this one? 
tell us what is wrong with this and why 80% of Democrats and 56% of Republicans are really, really stupid. I'm just so disgusted by this that I'm not sure I even have it in me to give a big explanation of why price controls don't work. I mean, the, the one sentence explanation is that you cannot magically make something cost less than it does just by decreeing a maximum price. We've seen this literally hundreds of times throughout history that if you make a price control, then you just end up with a shortage of whatever the thing was because we can't produce as much of it as people actually want to buy at the decreed price. And if you think that price controls are a good idea, you are a prime example of why economic education is so important and why economic illiteracy is such a problem. Well, and I'll spin that a little bit. I'll, I'll say that inflation is, in essence, price controls because the Fed is dictating a price floor. Now, you know, where it needs to go up from there, that's all based on how much profit you need to actually feed your family and keep the lights on. But, you know, the Fed is artificially raising this price floor of what money costs banks to issue or what banks have to pay each other. Therefore, that is reflected in the price of the goods we buy at the, at the retail counter. Uh, so, I mean, if inflation, if that's what caused the inflation to begin with, then that's also how you unwind it is by controlling that price floor back down to the actual floor. Yeah. So for anybody who's listening, who may be encountering this concept for the first time, can you explain what a price control is Zane and like why that's a bad idea just philosophically or, you know, basic yeah. economics Yes, yeah, so let's cast our mind back to August 2005, right after Hurricane Katrina. Nobody has power. It's a big problem. And some very entrepreneurial people figure out, wow, I can buy some uh, generators in like Texas or Alabama or wherever they were, drive them to New Orleans and sell them for a huge profit I make money um, and and the people are still getting electricity that they need. And if they bought the generators from me, they'd still you know, be benefiting or else they wouldn't decide to buy it. So you are in you are naturally inducing people to deliver resources to a place that they are extremely desperately needed way faster than any government and probably any charity could possibly get those goods there. And so these people arrive with the generators and guess what happens? They get fined and the generators get confiscated because they were price gouging. So all these price, all these generators are just sitting in evidence. Nobody has electricity because the, the politicians decided it would be a good idea to set um, a price control on generators. Well, we up here in the ivory tower towers think that the correct price of a elect, uh, of a generator is $200. You're trying to sell them for $500. You're not allowed to do that. Completely ignoring the fact that had you only had people um, only been able to buy the generator hundreds of miles away, transport them to New Orleans and sell them for the same market price that they had just bought them for, they would not have done it at all. So you're doing nothing but hurting people. 
by uh, enacting these policies. So just that was the illustrative example, but the um, general definition of a price ceiling is a just a law that says the maximum price of uh, of a particular good is X dollars. And if you try to sell it for more than that, we will come and get you. Um, and like, like the Obama price gouging hotline, you know, when, when, yeah. you know, we had that fuel crunch in 08, uh, you know, he had this, somebody got popped called. in my town for that. Like it was some gas station just made prices a little too much. And then like somebody ratted them out instead of just not going there, which is all you yeah, had to so, do. So <laughs> Venezuela is notorious for price controls as well, because they've had crazy inflation for the past couple decades. And so they just think that, you know, we can prevent inflation through price control. So a, an example of this is they uh, decreed a maximum price for eggs. Guess what happened a couple of days after they did that? It became literally impossible to buy eggs because nobody could produce eggs at a for a price that was below the, the price control. So just nobody did it anymore. I rarely do this, but if you're listening to this and you support price controls, which there's probably not any of those people because we have an exclusively libertarian audience as far as I'm aware. But if you are, if you, if this part gets clipped and shows up on Instagram and you're watching this and you support price controls, you seriously need to do some self-reflection about why you think that and why you support a policy that it literally takes two minutes to debunk. Another thing to to realize so like when you have price controls on like big commodities and stuff like steel you have a price control on steel you have a factory that makes steel and if there is a hiccup in the steel mines or whatever how wherever you get steel from you the prices would go up because the supply is lower but if you have price controls on steel the manufacturers are watching the supply of steel dwindle and there's going to come a day where there's no more steel that's gone it, we try the market would have warned you and said well the supply of steel is going down so we have to raise our prices at which point people will say well maybe i can invest or buy aluminum products or like there's no forewarning to the market. You also saw a lot of that stuff in Woodstock 99 when it got all corporatized and they were selling like bottles of water for $4 and all stuff. Now, my problem with that was is that the security confiscated people's water and stuff and were forcing people to buy water. That's fine. But even in the documentary, and I got an argument about this in the green room of my church, the documentary said, for no one had water. The only people who had water left were selling it for like $10 a bottle. And I told them, yeah, if they were selling it for $4 a bottle, there would be no more water. You can, the reason why you are still able to purchase that water is because it's only, because it's $10. People will oh, only buy one bottle. If it's $4, they're going to buy as many as they can. It's like a natural bridle that affects that that helps everyone. Yeah, supply and demand, and it's uh, it's one of the things Neil Bortz used to harp on all the time too. Especially you know when he was hopping back and forth between his house in Florida and the yeah. station in Atlanta, 
Because anytime hey. there was a hurricane in Florida, everybody around that area that got hit by the hurricane, they would talk about, you know, the people at the local general store, the local convenience store. This guy's price gouging. This guy's price gouging. Well, hey, before the before the hurricane hits, before the grid goes down, before everything goes to hell, dude's got 200 batteries on the shelf. Okay, hurricane hits. He's still got 200 batteries on the shelf, but it's going to be at least three weeks before any more batteries show up. And now all of a sudden he's got 400 people wanting his 200 batteries. And each one of these folks needs five of them to power their flashlight. So what do you do? You raise the price to make it really suck to buy more than you need. And that's, that's, that's an example of the private market regulating itself. Mm -hmm. You know, the market will self-regulate. Uh, I, I know that a lot of Democrats are pre-programmed to hate Adam Smith and, uh, you know, the whole concept of the invisible hand. Uh, but this is centuries old proven economics of supply and demand. I do teach school age children until we had a government education system. That is yeah, such a I, good point. And not not only does it prevent people from buying way too much and, and hoarding it right after a catastrophe, but also before the hurricane, if you know that you're going to be able to sell batteries at a higher price after the hurricane, you will be incentivized to stock up on batteries so that there are actually more batteries to go around after the hurricane. So more people end up better off. What specific, how this whole thing about price control specifically ties back to inflation is that all inflation is, is so more money is getting printed and it is being distributed to the government and their pals. So they're the people that get to spend the money first. So essentially, if the economy is a big pie, the government is increasing the amount of the pie that they get to eat and leaving everybody else with less. And so the price of the 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 price of everything else that the government isn't taking is going to be higher because there's just less of it to go around for everybody else. And so price controls is not going to just make more materials and goods and services just appear out of nowhere. The government's going to continue eating up the, the same amount that it had before. And it's just going to screw everybody else over even harder. You know, it's really interesting talking about like the invisible hand in the market. So Late high school, early college, I worked, uh, I just worked on a landscaping crew just for a couple of years, just in the summers, just off and on. And now I own my own lawn care business. I don't ask any other people how much they charge, like any other businesses. But when I just give a quote, what I think it's worth or whatever, it is within 10% of 10 other companies. There was no law that was made that say this is the minimum for the lawn. There was no law made for that. I did not contact all these other businesses and say, what do you guys charge? What do you guys charge? What do you guys? It just actually happened. Like it, it's, it's not rocket surgery. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And Elizabeth has a good point too. You know, prices are how supply and demand are regulated. Otherwise you end up with shortages. That's just, you know, if you're, if you're selling goods instead of, you know, services, I mean, lawn care is a little different, uh, you know, but if you're actually selling goods, you know, it's like if you're running a convenience store and you're selling you know, potato chips and candy and all that, you have a finite amount of product on the shelves. And if you know it's going to be so long before your shelves get restocked, 
you start to raise the prices a little bit. So that way, because the first person to walk in the door and you you have two or three things on the shelf, everything else is empty. That's when your that's when your clientele starts to walk away. You know, so you yeah. gotta you gotta have something on the shelves. Yeah, it's really interesting. People get I I hate the phrase it is what it is, and people get all spun up. But when you have like law, economic supply and supply and demand, and all you should, people prescribe morals to just systems and play like supply and demand and the laws of that. It's not good or bad. It just is. That's all it is. Like it just is. Accept it. Like why do you know in nature? Why do the female animals or mammals have this role in the male? Because. It is. That's because, like, there, there's not some choice, some grand morality behind it. It just is. You don't have to. You well, know and what it's I mean? crazy too because you have the same folks that'll that'll advocate for government implemented price controls. They have no problem with the local attorney charging five hundred dollars an hour. They have no problem with the doctor making three hundred dollars an hour. They have no problem with, you know any of these other outrageous things that once they have to use these services severely impacts their financial situation for years to come. Uh, there's no, there's no outcry over that. It's always like the guy at the liquor store, you know, he's, he's charging too much or, you know, it's the pores. Let's just get down to it. it you know, the pores are upset. They, they're the ones that want the price controls because they know their life's ambition is never going to net them any money to get them what they really want. It's funny you bring up the example of liquor stores because, you know, in Virginia and North Carolina with the ABC stores, which are government run businesses, which are the only place that you're allowed to buy liquor, you know, everybody knows the prices are higher and the supply is worse. There's not as many varieties available and they're all super expensive compared to other states that allow, you know, private businesses, businesses to sell liquor as a, uh, instead of government stores um but to your broader point buddy about um morality and economics you know economics just by itself is a positive science which just means that it seeks to describe what is happening it's not putting any morals on top of that but it doesn't mean that you can't use economics to inform your morality so if it, if your if your morality is that you tend to want people to be better off and not worse off you should heed libertarian economic insights because it, they will result in people being better off. It is a positive claim, meaning there is no morality or subjectivity involved in it, to say that markets in the absence of government intervention lead to more prosperity than markets with government intervention or, or socialist governments where there is no market at all. It is up to you to decide whether you want people to be better off or worse off, but that is the only decision you can make. That's exactly so. Right. I'm going to clarify this. Go ahead. I Grumpy like, says, I blame this on public schools and these idiots vote. Yeah. So, what do you guys, Buddy and Will, what do you guys think? I don't um, know. <laughs> no, that was a good that was a good economic explanation. I clip that and I'll show that to Mason number one in here. Um, I yell. <laughs> someone put up a um, probably from the new Grand Theft Auto like a crazy like scene on a highway with like a Ford Raptor that like did a flit and stuff like that. And of course, you know, 
Gail on Facebook or whatever was just like, is that real? Where is this? And I said, are you serious? And she smarted back like, I said, if you have to ask if this is real or not, please don't vote. <laughs> like, it's just like, come on. Like, uh, that's my closing words. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's just uh, from you, Will. these people are wanting to take Sorry, money Steven. from people because seeing your neighbor have more than you all of a sudden is a grievance and not a motivator. Yeah. Anything on this one, Will? Are you ready to move on? Just no, man. I just second everything Stephen and Buddy said. It's uh, nice. depressing watching the masses. Cool. Well, this next one is still about the economics and the economy. This is a Fed chairman of, I think, the Milwaukee Bank. I could be wrong about that, but he'll say it during this clip, giving his thoughts on CBC, central bank digital currencies. I can say that a whole lot easier than I can say the short CBDC? Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> so let's listen to him real quick. Central bank digital currency. Do you think that that is something that you all should be looking into seriously? To, to what degree should you be looking into it seriously? Just what, what are your thoughts on CBDCs? I mean, as the, uh, my colleagues at the Federal Reserve have talked about, we are examining it. Uh, I'll tell you my personal bias is I'm pretty skeptical. I keep asking anybody, anybody at the Fed or outside of the Fed to explain to me what problem this is solving. A digital, I can send anybody in this room $5 with Venmo right now. Right? No, seriously. So what is it that a CBDC could do that Venmo can't do? And all I get is a bunch of hand-waving. I get a bunch, well, maybe it's better for financial inclusion. Maybe it's better for cross-border remittances. Maybe. Is there any evidence that it is? And, you know, they say, well, what about China? China is doing it. Well, I can see why China would do it. If they want to monitor every one of your transactions, you could do that with the central bank digital currency. You can't do that with Venmo. If you want to impose negative interest rates, you could do that with the central bank digital currency. You can't do that with Venmo. And if you want to directly tax customer accounts, you could do that with the central bank digital currency. You can't do that with Venmo. So I get why China would be interested. Why would the American people be for that? This guy is a beast. I was prepared to like hate this guy. Oh, you should hate him. Don't. I have another clip if we have time. So don't praise him too much. But he happens to be right here. But go ahead and tell us your thoughts, Zane. And I'm going to take a break real quick. So you guys just go off and I'll be right back. I don't know. I feel like we've talked about CBDCs to death on this show. So I just I want to move us to our funny clips as soon as possible. So, Stephen, if you want to <laughs> if you want to give your your brief summary that you would typically provide. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the CBDCs is something that we've kind of it, it is kicking a dead horse at this point. But the, the guy is bringing up a valid point. It, it's. If something's about to change, if your way of life is about to change, if some staple of society is about to change, ask yourself, why is it changing? At least what's being sold to you, right? What's the official narrative as to why we need to integrate this new system into our life? How are they selling it? And then put yourself in their shoes that if you're trying to sell that to somebody, what would you hide from them? You know, just introspective questions. Uh, so, you know, instead, instead of just saying, I blame the education system, I think you're dumb, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, equip you with, with the questions to ask that could allow you to arrive at a very similar answer to what we have right now. It's what benefit, you know, if you ask yourself, you know, who benefits from it, 
What benefit does it actually yield? Why am I having to move to this? Why is my life lacking without it now? You know, what, what am I, what do I want to do in my life that I can't currently do without the CBD system in place? What is that? And it's, if you really answer those questions honestly to yourself, um, you know, the answers are, are going to be very telling, I think. I'm with you, man. Like, there's nothing wrong with THC. This CBD <laughs> shit is bullshit. It's bullshit. And we need to be <laughs> That's that Guy brought up an interesting question, like, because it's hard, like, when you want to interject your, like, when you want to slap people when they say something dumb and you want to, like, cram a Murray Rothbard book into their head in and, and two minutes at the gas station or whatever. But that is, a, I've, I, I mean, we all know it's a bad idea for all the reasons, but he brought up a good point by asking a question. Why do we need this? Like no one's asked that now when, like when you say like, Oh, that's exactly why we need it because of this. But like from a, a civilian's point of view for them to go. Yeah. But why do we need this? Why? What, what is this going to fix? Is it? I'd never questioned that before. I was like, oh, yeah, that is that is a good question. That's a question that you can ask people for it. Like, in, in words of Trump, why? You, you know, like, <laughs> you know Elizabeth says like there are still people who are absolutely clueless about CBDCs. We definitely need to keep talking about it. The real question is, are any of those people watching? <laughs> Maybe on Rumble. We're doing good on Rumble, Zane, all right? <laughs> yeah, Zane, we're just archiving this for the future. One day, like, some kids yeah. will discover this, and, like, there'll be a it's rock the archaeologists. Yeah. This is future <laughs> lost <Right>. media. <laughs> How dare you? All right, let's move on to why... This guy also sucks and why we're going to clip the part about Zane saying he was awesome and use that against him for the rest of his life. You know, I guess both the central bank digital currency and the climate question kind of oh, no. feed into this broader question that I think has been up for debate today, which is what role is the Fed supposed to be playing in 21st century America? Because it does seem like the mandate has shifted a bit. Obviously, the mandate itself has technically not shifted. It seems like you you all are taking more. It hasn't, but it seems sometimes. Like it and has. I, I wonder where you see the it's Fed a living, the broader government mandate. system here in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I've only been at the Fed for six and a half years, so I, I can't tell you I know exactly what the individual regional banks were doing 20 or 30 years ago. But when I read a his when I read history, and I read a lot of American history, the Fed was created with this really unique structure on purpose that they wanted the different regions of the country to have a voice in policymaking and to have a real understanding of what's happening in their regions. And so you do see different regional banks that are taking, are, are more out in front on some issues rather than others. So for example, the San Francisco Fed is probably the most engaged in issues around climate change because California is burning, you know, it's in drought. I mean, it's, when I talked to Mary Daly about it, she said, if I'm not looking at climate change, my constituents are asking me, what am I, what am I doing? This is such a pressing issue that they are facing. In Minneapolis, uh, we have been very outspoken, and but not alone, on issues of racial equity. You know, George oh, Floyd was God. killed down the street, a mile or so from our bank. And this is a very real so, issue. Stephen, is the central bank going to be able to defeat racism and make the weather gooder? <laughs> oh, my God. 
Well, so the, and this ties in with the whole price controls argument too. So this this is uh, one of the unseen things. So when you know when you talk price controls, traditionally you think of the examples that we threw out. Here's another example of price controls. If you're involved in the construction industry and you're on a project that has any kind of federal money tied to it, there is this nefarious piece of legislation called the Davis-Bacon Act that dictates what you should be paid. The Mavis-Bacon oh, Act? The Davis-Bacon <laughs> Act. Okay. Uh, and it's actually the banks in the area that are surveilling the current labor rates because it's the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. They're, they're getting stuff. They're aggregating financial data. Somehow you think every business owner in the area is honestly submitting their tax returns to a government survey. No, yes. this is stuff that they're willingly turning over as they do business with certain banks. So this stuff's aggregated in the background. So they're monitoring every aspect of the local economy. And then that's how they're dictating basically what the union wage should be. But, in areas where there is no union, they still dictate a wage. How are they coming up with this data? So it's that, that's yeah. why I'm like, oh God, vomit. And then the whole, yeah. you know, the whole racial equality thing in Minnesota. Maybe don't throw a million Ethiopians out there. You know, just a wild guess here, just a swing in the dark. You know, if you if you got some kind of racial tension there, maybe you don't bring a bunch of a, a million Ethiopians that don't want to assimilate into the Midwest. I heard they don't even celebrate Christmas on December 25th. No fish in the bathtub, nothing. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that, it's the thing, the thing you were talking about with like government um, prices, the contractors, I, the exact same thing happened with Medicare where the first couple of years of the 1960s after Medicare was introduced, you know, the increase in, um, medical prices was just way higher than it had been previously because Medicare was just reimbursing the doctors, whatever the doctors told the government that they were going to charge. So guess what the doctors did? They increased their price because they knew that whatever the price was, the government was just going to pay it without batting an eye. And then everybody wonders why healthcare is so expensive. Right. You know, the, the, First of all, I mean, I haven't read that big boring book about the creature on Jekyll Island or whatever, but I have never heard that the Fed's role is supposed to be a de facto representative of the I've never yeah. heard that before. They but use the word constituents. Like, that's not a thing. We didn't choose you. Something <laughs> has been happening. You can see it. If you want to know where we're at as a society in any time, look at the commercials. The commercials of anything are always, this is like a quick synopsis of where we're at in America. For the longest time, truck commercials were about towing capacity and gear ratios and blah, blah, blah. And now it's, hey, our Subarus run on good vibes and love. Go be with your family and scatter your dad's ashes. It's all groovy. It's like, what is happening with like just our businesses and our government is just all based on feelings like whatever we're feeling hey i drive a subaru don't bash them too hard zane i if we had to poll everyone here who drove a subaru definitely. <laughs> i'm the exact opposite of your stereotypical subaru owner do you have a paw print with a who rescued who <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my
Damn it, I just want small it. trucks back. <laughs> like I want to be able to have a Chevy S10 or something like that, which are basically illegal now because they can't meet the federal highway gas mileage bullcrap. Yeah, did you see that? I think I said it in the group chat. It was like a brand new Land Rover Discovery that you can get for like $42,000, but we can't buy it here because of emissions. There's another yeah. uh, truck that Toyota has that like, so we have like on our F-150s, we have like the XL edition, which is like the work truck. Like it's similar to that. Like there's no radio, there's no mm. like contour things, but it is a full on pickup truck for $10,000. Yes. Like, in Indonesia. Is that no, where it was? Not here. I think so. I read that article. I was like, please come to the U S please come to the U S no freaking Indonesia. But it's just like, it so. does. I mean, it doesn't have Bluetooth. It does like that. What well, we all have headphones. Yeah. Like I need a work truck. Like it was like, this is perfect. I don't, I saw a, a guy I went to school with who's a builder. He's selling a 2023 Raptor for $130,000, which means he sure didn't buy it for one hundred and thirty. He uh, bought it. No, he probably did. Our, our, the, the, our those Raptors are not cheap, bro. Like, he probably paid for what I bought my first house with 15 years ago. That's nuts. Those those yeah. Raptors those Raptors are about 130 brand new. Oh, I bet apparently that runs on good vibes or whatever. Like, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, but yeah, like uh, there's plenty of trucks, like consumer trucks in other countries that are affordable, but why can't they come here? So retrofit yeah. fifty sure calibers back in a pickup truck. Also would love a tractor or at least like a micro mini tractor, but they're still so freaking expensive. Yeah. Like I can't imagine what you're paying for full size ones every now and then. Oh, well, hey, just wait, just wait, because with everything getting more and more computerized and mechanized, uh, I know Ford and John Deere specifically have cases that are actually going before the Supreme Court, unless, unless they already have. But they they don't want you to be able to work on their vehicles. Yeah. Um, because they, John they Deere claim, will sue you over it. Yeah, because it you know if you plug into that into that computer board system and you try to reprogram something to tune it up yourself and change the gear ratios and whatnot to them, you're messing with their intellectual property, which is their underlying operating system. As a farmer, I mean, I think buying a John Deere tractor is laughable now. I mean, unless you are set up with like commodities and, and, and leasing it out from the manufacturer and having a mechanic actually do all the work and, it's just they're elaborate pieces of equipment now um on the other end of it i bought like a mahindra tractor not like maybe six years ago or whatever but it's a cheap ass indian version of a tractor it is everything you could see in like just manufacturing going downhill on every aspect of equipment so it's just there's no real good balance anymore so either these these equipment companies are going like super high end to where like people set up or just paying out the ass for it. But like a good normal size tractor for like a, like an independent farmer like myself, you just, you're getting fucked all the time. Like oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's why if you get like a, like an old Massey Ferguson from like 1975, people are yeah. paying top dollar for that stuff. If it still runs mm -hmm. for sure. For sure. I, I, 
I got a few old tractors that we've like just kind of like pulled out in the fields and just like, you know, rest in peace that I've honestly thought about just like pulling them out and rebuilding them before buying another tractor just to keep a piece of equipment that's actually made with good material. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this, the new shit is from the engine to the interior, every aspect of it is as cheap as possibly made. It's, it's, we are in the downfall of. And it's the same way with lawnmowers. I'm sure, you know, buddy, it's like, I don't know, like all the new lawnmowers, it's like you get this transmission that can't be worked on. Like you basically can't find a manual transmission or even a, you know, traditional automatic transmission. It, and then, Australia has way cooler lawnmowers than us. I don't know if you know that, but they have like basically go-karts that also cut brush. And I want one of those, but it's insanely expensive. Plus, you know, getting it from Australia. I think Bobcat makes something though. It's got like that front arm with it. That'll, that'll chew through some brush. Yeah. But I want to ride a go-kart. There you go. But I mean, it's like, it's like the age old thing. You're like what you're, what you're talking about with the tractors, Will. It's like, uh, you know, there's an old saying with the all the old muscle car freaks that, you know, if you get a Jaguar, you, you got you to gotta have a mechanic come live with you. <laughs> yeah. Or electrician. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We got two short, funny videos real yes. quick. So <laughs> let's watch these. Let me remember what this one's even about. Oh, yeah, this is about the stolen bus in Atlanta. So let's watch the news report. We start with a look inside a stolen Marta bus. If you haven't seen this video, watch it. Police say this man hijacked the bus, took it to a Waffle House, and then took it to Stone Mountain. Channel 2's Larry Spruill got no details from Marta tonight. He's live where this all ended. Larry, that guy's now in jail. And George, they arrested him right here at the main entrance of Stone Mountain Park now. Tonight, I'm walking you through the video and what happened beforehand. This man, 28-year-old Jamari Lee, is in jail Monday night. He's charged with hijacking a motor vehicle. Marta police say that vehicle was a Marta bus. Everything happened right here at the intersection of Lawrenceville Highway and Still Drive. It was around 5 o'clock Sunday when a suspect got on the bus and threatened the bus driver. She got off the bus and called for help. That's when he took off and drove here to the Stone Mountain Park. This is where. Oh, nice jump cut. That was. Yeah. This is from Marta. It's from inside the bus with Lee behind the wheel. You can see him getting off the Stone Mountain Park main entrance exit. As he gets to the gate, he pauses and then begins to turn around. He narrowly misses this black car. But crashes into this gate. Lee then narrowly misses. He puts on his jacket and doesn't hit. Yeah, I guess that's it. But all right, a few things. <laughs> uh, I kind of like him. He went to Waffle House. <laughs> right? uh, no one was well, not on only that. It, there was somebody left on the bus. Oh, and he dropped them off at Waffle House. Well, so that's maybe even a little better. But That's this crazy. this is a classic where that person's still like a um, what's the word I'm looking for restitution to whoever's a lot more is, is a lot more appropriate here than 
then I mean, I think it's just funny. But here's my other thing. I don't understand, and you're going to see it everywhere now, there was no reason for that man, that reporter, to be at the jail at night. There was no reason for him to be at the intersection. This, yes, 24 hours ago, this happened here. I mean, it's not happening now. It's weird that I'm here as if it like, and then not too long ago, this jail that I, he walked through those doors. I mean, not now, but it happened a while ago. So I'm here. It's just like, why are you there? That you're that adds nothing to the story at all. I don't know. It was pretty that, that goofy. It was cut, like the, that jump cut was a game changer for me. That was just doing know. a live shot in front of a ticket booth where nothing is happening. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. But, he stole the but, bus uh, here and then drove it to here. Like that, <laughs> that was that was awesome. That's production if, value right there. Depending on what school of libertarian philosophy you subscribe to, if you believe that government property is actually just unowned, he didn't actually steal anything. He just homesteaded the bus. That's right. I like it. I like it. This has got now me the, just uh, thinking about Stone Mountain. Oh, sorry. No, no, I'm just thinking about Stone Mountain and, and everything right there. Um, what do you guys think about like them putting Outcast on the mountain? <laughs> Y'all remember, remember that push? Uh, the bus oh, yeah. we should put up there. Oh, I, yeah, I also, that guy, I he, remember, could be, uh, he could be on a corner. I like it. I also remember pre-COVID, yeah. uh, the Klan having a big rally out there. And it was, uh, it was like it was the the <laughs> they showed up to protest the Klan, but the Klan got the permits and they paid for police protection. Yes, we did. And so, <laughs> I mean, yes, we did. <laughs> and so these folks show up. The plans for <laughs> That's great. I feel like that's a good compromise. Like, we'll keep the Confederate generals, but we're also putting outcasts. And they're going to be there in their caddy right next to you, and yeah. everyone's happy. Zach, guys, y'all are higher than me. Can I change that to our uh, like our header for the Libertarian Party? Right there, the, the Twitter go. page. Can I do that? I mean, you the, know, I'm the water has that. to be rainbow colored or something. Like there has to be a rainbow somewhere. I'll throw yeah, a rainbow should, on there. Yeah. Should make it up, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah. So you know, we had the optics of of the police protecting the clan, uh, but it was just you know they filed the permits, and uh, you know those other folks didn't, and they showed up with weapons. Man was totally unarmed. So, uh, yeah, it's just so it's really the real bad guys, everybody, huh? Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and by big clan rally, I'm sure you mean a couple dozen people from out of their mom's basement. Yeah, yeah. Still bigger than a libertarian rally, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> well, it's you know it's half our audience, but uh... <laughs> throwing rocks and glass houses there, Zane. <laughs> The Southwest oh. Academy drum majors Now they need to update their song To Bitch You Stole a Marta Bus Oh yeah. Y'all remember that old All one? Right. I've seen Marta Marta Trevor Bus. Wallace is hilarious <laughs> Yeah So this is the last one We'll go out on this video But this is just about You know The excellence of the TSA uh, no sound. Hold on. Oh, God. Calling all units. Calling all units. Lemon lime. Hold on. It doesn't work. If... 
We don't hear it from the beginning. Good. There we go. Yep. Mother of God. Calling all units! Calling all units! Lemon Lime, you're doing time. You know what this equals? Kaboom! This guy's drinking Arrowhead. He is not right in the head. Who put this in here? George Bush? What's going on? Okay, so shoes off, but what if they're not wearing socks? No socks? They're probably flying Spirit. We don't care about that airline. Oh, you know, because socks are extra. 25 ounces. <laughs> we'll say hello to 25 to lot. What if the person's like really, really thirsty? Oh, thir do they still breastfeed too? They can wait till the get TSA, and that A stands for absolutely no water. Calling all units is breastfeeding. Olay, oh yay. Three ounces. Good. Jurgens, lonely, but good. 12.5. We are lucky to be a lot. Okay, so you said laptops out of the bag, but what about iPads? <laughs> Sounds like an explosive. Good. Ooh, really good. <laughs> That's meteor shampoo. Bitch. I mean, you can't fly with it, but it's good. Whose bag is this? We all know how worthless the TSA is. Every any any American with a brain knows how worthless that entire institution is. And we will continue to fund it until we are all dead. Yeah. Right. It will, it's just going to continue to grow. It is never caught a terrorist, right? Like None. never, not one, zero, not, one, no, zero. not even one. Yeah. They, they hardly can even catch the terrorists that are TSA agents pretending to be terrorists. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They do red team exercises, which is, on a less cool scale, what I do for work, I test security, but they do ones where they like try to bring fake bombs and fake guns and knives and all this stuff through security. They get through 50 plus percent of the time, time. 80 plus. Yeah. It was some ridiculous number like that where it's like, you shouldn't exist. Like if you failed at your job, 80% of the time you would not have a job, but them, they, they would get more money. Probably some of it, or a lot of it, maybe even so like you have like the ounces thing. The limit is like, all right, well, let's say I have a team of people and we all just have just under the limit stuff. Like we we pulled out of Afghanistan. The first thing when that happened, when I saw those people like falling off the C-17 or whatever, uh, I was like, all right, so we're done now, right? We can keep our shoes on at the airport. Like we did it. <laughs> um, and I think so so many of these rules are so pointless that if the TSA pulls back on it, it will almost like be like they were admitting that it's a waste of time. It was dumb anyway. And then it, it's a, you know what I mean? People go like, well, why are we doing this? Because your government hates you. That's why. Well, and listen, you all those TSA people, you listen to them. Yeah, anyway, so I was with this girl, right? And she like she was so sad. Oh, hang on, let me tell you that. I gotta check that for explosives. Anyway, I was with this honey last night. I'm like, what? You you're not I feel so safe. Thank you. That's an interesting <laughs> point says, because TSA, theft, <laughs> sexual harassment, and assault. It's <laughs> about right. Go yep. ahead, Zane. Because maybe like TSA pre-check and clear and all that are just ways that that they can try to walk it back without either admitting it, but also making people have to pay to get out of it. Because the, the ads you see in the airport for pre-check and clear are so annoying. Because I, I literally saw an ad put up by the TSA in the security line that said, isn't getting dressed once for the day enough? 
And I am like, you MFers are the one making me get dressed for the second time. I shouldn't have to pay to not have to get dressed the second time. Have you guys yeah. ever been out of the country and you're like standing in the security line, taking off your belt and your shoes and you're just like, oh, nobody else is doing this. It's not a thing here. Oh, man. But, no, I, actually, I've never been out of the country because, uh, you know, after 9-11, that was something I just felt like didn't make sense anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that that's an interesting picture to paint, too, because I, I, I could imagine being one of those other folks in line and you see the American, you know, the guy that sets off fireworks in your face twice a year is like, oh, freedom. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. How free are you now, Chud? We, we do job. like we fetishize uh, freedom, like in our American culture, but we have just become the biggest disappointments in that throughout my adult life. Like yeah. we are a we're a disappointment. We I love the idea foreigners have of Americans as just like these loud mouths, John Wayne, pow, 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 all right. this shit. But when the war on terror just and every other wave of whatever psyop the fucking lizard people have thrown at us the past two decades has just destroyed the American culture. We are spinning our wheels. It's, it's depressing to just talk about the scenario of just like being out of the country and taking your belt off and shoes off and shit and seeing French yeah. people go, as they're smoking a cigarette with their top off. Yes, you know, you know, eating their French fries as we're like. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you mean freedom fries? <laughs> no, no, they're French fries to them like bastards because they wouldn't support us slaughtering more Iraqis. But yeah, yeah uh, we are. We deserve Biden and Trump as our our like representatives and shit. <laughs> Not we, us, us guys. I get you mean but, like. Everybody well, together making bad decisions kind of equals that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's I mean, because yeah, we we our, our vigilance. I mean, we let it happen on Ethiopian Christmas Eve, <laughs> January sixth. Oh man, that's good. I'm using that. Oh damn! All right, <laughs> well, all right. The display in the Iowa that's State the new code word, fellas. <laughs> we need another Ethiopian Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, lead the way, brother. <laughs> Bring your bushy, sticky rice and raisins or whatever, and we're going to do it. That's Ethiopian oh. cuisine. Okay. This has been a great episode. Yeah. Well, I think we're at the end here. So, Zane, do you have any last words or anything to plug or anything going on with your LP affiliate? What's going on? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Just like your subtitle says. All right, Stephen, what about you? I I mean, with our affiliate down here, Fayette Coweta, I mean, we we just met and reelected our officers for next year. Uh, So So did you get voted? Do what? So did you get voted out? Actually, I did not. Uh, Surprisingly. Noda gave me a run for my money, but uh, I stuck it in there. Um, so I mean, we did that. I mean, January is probably going to be just, you know, the state convention, uh, usually, you know, the month where there's a state convention, we tend to not meet 
just to kind of, you know, focus attention on that. Uh, so really, I mean, we'll be looking to get back into it in the swing of things in February, which I mean, that's going to be good. I've got a baby due mid January. So, um, yeah, not a whole lot we could do in that wake, but I would just say, you know, focus on, uh, state convention. Uh, but you know, obviously if you've got anything, you know, going on in Fayette and Coweta that we need to shine a light on, uh, throw it in here. I'll be sensitive to that. I mean, I, I do also work in this area, so, you know, I do have to kind of be sensitive to some of those things, but you know, there's a big piece of property here in town that, the Fit Development Authority made $152 million on last year. And why did my property taxes go up the same year? Um, a lot of folks have the same questions, even the local Democrats, lo and behold. So, um, you know, other than that, I would just say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And, uh, you know, we'll keep doing what we do next year. Yeah. And we'll probably be back next week. Um you guys are welcome to join. I think we're going to have a more serious episode where Jared comes on and maybe a few more people from, you know, LP to talk about like the year that we've had, the year in advance, what we're looking forward to, and maybe a few less fart jokes and, you know, some serious stuff. We'll see. That's why yeah, I, I don't, I don't, think I, out of the way. I don't advocate any of that. We need more dick and fart jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, next time y'all let me on, I'm really gonna need like a, a like a soapbox. I need about 30 minutes to like pull out my like 10 point plan on why Disney needs to make Magneto the new Magneto Palestinian. <laughs> I, I can really get into this, but we don't have the time tonight. But it's it's the only way really to tell the new Magneto story in a Ooh. modern context. Now, a Cajun yeah. Gambit is really. Uh... Making that goes without saying, Steve. Yeah, come on, what are we children? Uh, it goes without <laughs> saying, but make in a world where we're race swapping and doing all this kind of crazy stuff, I want to see a Palestinian Magneto. All that right, we're putting that out there, we're putting that out there in the universe, fellas. Palestinian Magneto, let's make it happen. The Muslim Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, it works on so many levels, yeah, but uh. Matt Carter says Ethiopians allegedly have the Ark of the Covenant, right? And that's what I've heard, too. Well, that's if you've never been to a certain mountain range in Turkey. Yeah. Who knows? It, the whole history of the Ark of the Covenant is being stolen over and over and over and moved different places. So, no, uh, the, the most compelling documentary I've seen on, like, where is it? There is this like little hole in the wall temple in Ethiopia that has, yeah, it's very heavily guarded. And built around the ark itself so that it can't be removed without destroying the temple is what I'd heard. Who knows? Hmm. But the most compelling documentary I've seen on this topic is Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I actually bought with Happy Meal points at Burger King. Yeah. Uh, whatever their, their Happy Meal equivalent was. That, that's where I got all of my movie-themed glassware back in the day. Uh, what was it? Babes in Toyland. I got a couple of Batman movies, Jurassic Park. Got those VHSs from Burger King, bro. That's where it used to go down. We used Boys. to be a proper country. Right? Yep. Yeah. All right, and I'll go real quick. I just want to remind everybody to come and join us at lpgeorgia.com slash convention and lpgeorgia.com slash join. <laughs> Um, you know, your support there is what makes this podcast possible. We're not making any money, but we do have a little bit of, uh, expenses with this. You know, we pay for hosting. We, you know, would like to expand it. 
things like that. So if you believe in this independent media, if that's what you can call this, then please come become a member at lpgeorgia.com slash join. That stuff goes towards things like this, you know, our messaging on Twitter that Will helps us with. Also, you know, our great uh, ex executive director, Elizabeth, that's her salary, things like that, that, you know, we're getting FOIA a lot request. done. This FOIA request. FOIA request. FOIA request. That's yeah, been a big look, one. Yeah. I mean, you need to really start, a, uh, start working on a salary for us Twitter, Twitter people. We <laughs> I feel like I could really bring a lot to the table if I made some money off this whole liberty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, the Open Records re Act requests, I think it's FOIA when it's on national level. And I was corrected about this because I sent out emails saying FOIA and someone's like, actually, it's Open Records Act. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. But all and that was requests, actually helpful. But you know, to, to yeah, shine those... light on on obvious blatant government grift that hadn't been reported on, you know, for us to be able to bring that, you know, to the newsletter or to podcasts like this, we need memberships for that. That's what that goes to. You don't have. I, I promise, Jerry Bell's not getting rich off of your membership. That's not yeah. what's happening. This is costing us money. Everybody here has spent money going to conventions, going to meetings. You know spooling up this podcast is coming out of Jake's pocket. So, you know, all that we ask in return is that people come join LP Georgia. That's it. <laughs> so do that. It's $30 or so a year and you get to be uh, a member, which gets you nothing except the satisfaction that you're helping us. I don't know. Uh, our, our last meeting. Uh, so it, it was in Fayetteville a couple weeks ago. And uh, there was a dude that pulled – he he saw a little sign that we had on the table. He's like, you with the Libertarians? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, let me show you something. I was like, okay. And, like, he brought me around the corner. And I thought, I thought he was about to pull out a joint or something like that. I was like, what you got? And he pulls his card out of his wallet. It was, like, 1983 LP Georgia. And it was, like, an actual card. He's like, been carrying this around ever since. I was like, you still got an active membership? He's like, no. I was like, why is that still in your wallet? <laughs> It is strange. It's like I'm very yeah, proud man. of this. Yeah, at the same time, me that, but like, hey, why I don't want you nothing to do with, with us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, did tell have us an active membership. Imagine the patience of somebody that would be in this thing for forty years. <laughs> Shout out to Martin Cowan. Uh, yeah, he's been there from day one. Hell yeah! Yep, 1973. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what, took him two years to hop on board? Yeah, yeah. which Love that's it. because, you know, it was probably created in somebody's basement, and he just wasn't invited that day. So it's like right. it took him, you know, a year or two to figure out this was going on, and he was on board. But but anyway, Will, tell us what you got going on. Give any plugs. Well, I, uh, you know, buy my wine, promote me to come back here and talk about a Palestinian magneto. Um and uh, rabbit eye wine, yeah, yeah, rabbit eye wine .com, Buy the blueberry wine. We'll discuss Palestinian Magneto later, and then um, <laughs> yeah, other than that, just uh, I'm I'm here kicking dirt in Pierce County, waiting for us to start an affiliate up here, all that kind of jazz. Awesome, and buddy, go ahead and close us out. Tell us about whatever you got going on or want to say. Closing words. 
Um, uh, nothing really going on. Business is slow. Getting geared up for the convention. Uh, there's probably not going to be anywhere for me to cook at the convention. I think there may be. Oh, we'll talk to Steve about it, but I think there's a big outdoor area. All right. All right. Well, I might get crazy. I might. It's a VFW. Although, they got a grill somewhere. Yeah. It will be January, so it'll be a little chilly, but that's all right. Do you want chili? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Y'all, right. the day that the uh, the Dave Smith Mises Caucus campaign fell apart, there was this um, spaces meeting where Reed Coverdale was a part of it, and it's like that spaces meeting. I really like take that as like the fall of the Dave Smith campaign. <laughs> Buddy and Reed came to my farm, and Buddy made the most delightful gumbo you would ever want. It was this, this perfect day of us frolicking around, eating that gumbo and drinking wine. And then, like, Reed had to come there and, like, do this political bullshit where Jeremy <laughs> <laughs> Kaufman and, and fucking Michael Heiss got in a big argument right here, right where I was sitting. It was fun. Me and Buddy were just giggling. Jeremy <laughs> Kaufman going, what are y'all gay married? Are y'all gay lovers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Kaufman was fucking calling Dave Smith a fag. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. That's so what I got. Buddy needs to make chili for the uh, LP convention because it, it gets tight. Yeah. I'm following all, all right. that. That's great. Yeah. So is that it, buddy? Yeah, you're making oh you're making chili at convention. So come on out, lpgeorgia.com slash convention. And that's all for tonight. We'll catch you next week. I think you know, I'm gonna try to make it happen where we have a little more of a serious episode with Zane, even though he doesn't want to be there. And then um Jared and you know, a few other people who are doing some cool stuff in the LP, but that's it. And if that doesn't happen, catch us in January. We'll have Brad Binkley on from the propaganda report, getting us geared up for his presidential debate. But that's it. See you guys later. Cheers.